Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetics industry. This is episode 255. I'm your host, Valerie George, and with me today is Perry Romanowski. Hi, Perry. Hi, Valerie. So good to be here. So good to have you on today's show. We're going to answer questions about, is buying $800 worth of beauty products a mistake? Only if Mr. (laughs) Cosmetic Chemist says so. Is there a difference between oils in facial oil products? Do you need Hmm. special shampoos for chlorine-exposed hair? What is the best age to start using anti-aging products? And can you use a cleansing oil to wash your hands? And of course, we'll do our inane chit-chat. How are you this week, Perry? I'm good. The foster cats that we have are finally coming out from under the bed. Although they're very strange. They stay under the bed like all day and then at nighttime they come out and they'll pay attention to us for like 10 minutes and then they go in the basement. So, <laughs> But then the one cat lays on top of the other cat. There's this entire house. They have full reign, but they have to lay on top of each other. I don't get it, but they sure like each other. Oh, that's so interesting. And how's the weather in Chicago? The weather is uh, not bad. I, I mean, we got into the 40s, so that's better than, you know, negative 11 Celsius, which it was oh earlier yeah, last week. So, yeah, makes makes for better running. It has been a super dry winter, at, at least in Los, Angel- Los Angeles. It has. I've been looking at my, um, my skin. I look like an alligator. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't so... look like it on video here, but... <laughs> No, I do. It's um, it's awful. I thought about taking a picture, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of gross. <laughs> that might make a good Insta post. <laughs> Just my my really pale, ashy skin. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I don't know about that. I've never seen a pale, ashy alligator, though. <laughs> <laughs> An albino alligator. That's basically right. me. There must yeah. be some, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know, I have access to all the lotions and creams and stuff. I... I'm just lazy. I mentioned uh, on the last episode I like to use the cocoa butter, Palmer's cocoa butter lotion. Sure, yeah. I actually don't put it on my legs. It's just like my upper body so I can smell it, so I can smell that I smell like chocolate. Um, I probably <laughs> should put some on my legs. Probably. Did you ever Did you ever see that internet meme where it was a debate about whether you wash your legs or not? No. Are you on team washing your legs or team not washing your legs? I actually do wash my legs. Uh I, Do you? I kinda, Wait, I, I already know you're not. You're no, on no, team I, run down your body. I, well, I, I do usually wash my legs though, uh, but it's only with the the foam from the shampoo that I've used. So. Yeah, I actually use um, the shampoo foam or the excuse me the body wash foam. I use that to shave my legs. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I just use the hot water for shaving. So not Ouch. my legs, but my face. Ouch. Ouch. Oh, gosh. It only, no, it, it only hurts when I have that disposable razor that I've had for like four weeks. Then it starts oh to hurt. Gosh. But like a new disposable razor, oh, it works good. <laughs> I am so not surprised. Well, let's get into some beauty science news. I saw an article this week. We've talked a bit about consumer habits throughout COVID. And I thought it was interesting that GCI Magazine 
actually posted about a study that showed the habits of more than 10,000 consumers now that we are almost one year into this COVID lockdown. I believe That's uh, right. California- That's right. It is almost a whole year. Today was the day I showed my first symptom a year ago, um, but the whole world, uh, or excuse me, at least California actually shut down March 16th. So we have a couple weeks to go to hit that one year, but it was interesting uh, to see, interesting, but maybe not surprising to see what had happened. So according to this study, 21% of people say they spend more on beauty products now compared to pre-COVID. So I would guess they're what's buying more expensive skincare products or buying, indulging in like bath products, what? Or hair, something like that. Not sure. Yeah, things to pamper. I would totally guess that. 38% of people said the amount of money they spend has not changed through COVID. And I'd be in that, I'd be in that category. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm spending a little less. I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, Okay. 41% said they are now spending less on beauty products now that um, it's COVID. And of course, online shopping has seen an increase. In-store shopping is now on the rise, though. So that'll be um, very interesting. Well, that makes sense because the stores weren't open, so you couldn't really even buy stuff, I guess, right? Yeah, that's kind of like a dumb moment in the study. But I'll tell you why (laughs) my spending has gone down. I'll tell you why. Why is that? I am a big, I'm not going to lie, I buy a lot of my products online. I like to go to Sephora.com, blah, blah, blah. But I am a browser. So I'll walk through Sephora, Ulta, local beauty boutiques, and I just like to walk and I pick up stuff that where I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I guess I do like a lot of impulse purchases there. Um, And I don't get to do that. So honestly... I don't even think of Sephora or Ulta right now. And I have like a lot Uh, of stuff here that I'm using. I'm making a lot of my own things. Um, So it's kind of interesting that even though I historically buy online, I need the store to be there so I can go buy online. Does that make sense? You know, I do... I do like to walk through stores too. and But what I do... There's two things that I do when I'm walking through a store. Um, I mean, when I'm not you know, scrolling through Reddit on my phone waiting for my wife. But (laughs) Mr. Cosmetic Chemist likes to walk through stores too right on my heels to make sure I can get out of there quickly without buying anything. (laughs) Uh, Oh, no, see, I don't don't mind being in a store. uh, But because what I do like to do is I go and I look at products and I'm not looking at the front label. I'm looking at the back label. I'm like, what's Mm -hmm. this formula? What ingredients are they using? I find that kind of interesting. And I also look at products and how much they're priced and the ingredients they're using. And I say, how can they get away with selling this for that much? (laughs) It always amazes me. But yeah, but there's so many different brands that you can buy and everybody wants to start a new one. It's just amazing. It's incredible. And I say, Hooray for hooray for capitalism or whatever it is. It's you know for me, I just love to see all the different variants uh, as far as formulas go. It's fun. So many people have great ideas. Yeah, what did you see this week? Well, you know, I was uh, looking through the uh, the trades and I saw this article in uh, Personal Care Magazine about. Uh, this new animal testing uh, organization uh, was awarded uh, uh, like a hundred thousand pounds to develop uh, this new 
a specific type of animal test, uh, this in vitro test that is supposed to, you know, replace uh, some current animal testing. Now, like a good uh, trade magazine, they didn't really get into the specifics of anything, and they probably just uh, repeated the uh, um, the press release that they were sent. However, it's very interesting. Um, they were looking at, you know, replacing something that uses uh, fetal bovine serum, uh, and, and that has to do with uh, uh, the relevance to, I think, to reproduction or something like that. Anyway, what what really caught my eye about this is this this idea that there's still research going on in animal testing alternatives, which also says to me that there's still a need for animal testing in the cosmetic industry. And uh, I, th- I think it's important for people to realize that the industry ha- hasn't completely been able to replace all animal testings, despite, you know, what you might see by some NGOs. And there are some aspects of safety that we're just not really able to verify without doing animal tests. Yeah, and we're mostly talking, I think, animal testing on ingredients here. I mean, not too many people are animal testing finished products um, anymore anyway, because the individual ingredients have been substantiated. But exactly, there are certain things that you can just not replace. And I think mostly it's the things that involve uh, reproductive toxicity and teratogenicity. And, you know, not only are you impacted with your offspring, but are your offspring are your offspring impacted and that's generational and you just need, um, animal testing for that. The testing that they can do with bacteria, just, it doesn't really tell the same story. Um, and it's very, very difficult. And it's, it's hard for like organ tests. Like, uh, if you're doing an inhalation testing to see how an ingredient might affect lung breathing, we don't really have a replacement for that. And so things like that, uh, still require some kind of animal testing. And, you know, I don't think it's it's good to do animal testing, but, you know, it's, it's, it is about safety. Nobody really wants to do animal testing. But I think it is important, but, what, but I think what is important to note is that this does mean, I mean, there have been animal tests in banning in the EU, and actually lots of places around the world are now banning animal tests for cosmetics. There's two, two thoughts I have on that. First, the main thing is that what it's going to do is really slow down innovation in the cosmetic industry. Uh, there's going to be just a lot fewer different new ingredients. So if a raw material supplier is just going to make an ingredient that you know, somebody else already has so they don't have to do animal testing on it. Or they get around the animal testing rules because in the EU has banned animal testing for cosmetics, right? However, they still require animal testing for, like, worker safety. And if there's an ingredient that could be used in the pharmaceutical industry, then you could do animal testing for that, and then that data is acceptable. So there are ways that companies are getting around it, even though they're saying animal testing has been banned in cosmetics. But, you know, there's a lot less animal testing going on. Yeah, for sure. And if this is very near and dear to your heart, there are a lot of research organizations who rely on funding to be able to fund these studies to advance the science. And maybe in your charitable contributions that you do throughout the year, if you do those, maybe think of a research organization that you could contribute to to help further their work. 
Absolutely. I'll see if there's any one that I can find and put a link in the show notes. Oh, great. I think we have one more little story, something that you saw. That's right. I was uh, I was trolling around a subreddit. Uh, you know, I'm on I'm on Reddit. You know, <laughs> there's a one that I follow. But uh, I think I forget the subreddit it was, but it was probably hair care science. Anyway, someone on that someone on that uh, discussion thread asked about whether it was okay for him to wash his hair every day after working out, and I was just reminded of when in 2005 I had washed my hair over. 1500 times and I think I might have offhandedly said that a few times on the show but I've never really explained that right have I (laughs) oh my gosh Perry do you have dementia what's that did I already tell this story oh (laughs) I probably do oh my god so embarrassing we're cutting this section. (laughs) no we're not you're keeping oh no we we gotta get this section. (laughs) really you've you you don't remember? You know what? I probably yeah, no. I actually, I really don't remember. What episode would that have been? Oh my gosh, a lot. Tell the story again, and then put it no, back. No, 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 no. No, if I told it already, I'm done. I can't. I can't tell this. Story. Well, I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh. I don't remember the why. I know that you've done it. You've mentioned a lot of times you've done it. But I actually, have. I... I don't think I remember why you had to do it. That's a good save. <laughs> No, I, I, I really, I don't think I remember why. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I really don't think I, like, said this why I did. Okay, I just so I would always say, oh, We know it happened, okay? Right. We don't know happen. why it happened. Why did it happen? So, basically, it was like this. So, you know, I was working as a formulator on the Tresemme line, right? And specifically, I was on the shampoo and conditioner. And we wanted to make sure that we, our formulas were the best performing formulas on the market, right? So that means we first, we got IRI data and looked for what's the best sellers. So the best uh, mass market sellers and top 10 of those. And then we looked at the best uh, salon brand sellers. So we got all this. So we got those 20, 20 there. And I personally feel that when you're formulating something, and you're trying to make a better formula, you should try everything that you make. Yeah. And so so I, right there, I had to try those 20 <laughs> shampoos. And and I didn't want to just try it one time. Like, oh, that's it. I wanted to sort of like do it on a blinded basis and have my own opinion about which, which 10 or which 20 worked the best or the orders. So there was all that. And then I started making prototypes to try to match which one was the best one. So we looked at different surfactant systems and levels and then ingredients. And, you know, to make a great product, I really think you have to go through that. So I started making all these prototypes. And in between all of those, just so I would or essentially cleanse my palate, which was my head, I would wash my hair with VO5 normal shampoo. So so that way, every time I washed with a new thing, you had the would, same... Bye. The same My hair thing. would be yeah. in the same state, right? And two, you have to try shampoos more than once, right? You just can't wash your hair one time and be like, oh, it's great. It's like, what does day after day after day look like? Exactly. And so there there was that. And I, I did that. With, so I had like a screening process where I just wash it a couple of times. And then when I'd sort of narrow down prototypes, I would, you know, wash it multiple times and things. And so... I did hundreds of prototypes with different additives and surfactant blends. And, of course, then I had a conditioner 
uh, project after that, <laughs> which you had to wash your hair first and then use all these conditioners. And so <laughs> by the time it was at the end of the end of the year, I had washed my hair like 1,500 times. Wow. Now, was that whole head or half head? Because this weekend, uh, one of my chemists made something and uh and this has been going on for a while right you need more perspective so you give sure. people hey i made this can you take it home and try it and i do half head testing in the shower because they'll give me hey try a and b or the as is and the proposed and um so i did some of that this weekend and i only like half my head right now <laughs> well i would i did a mix of half head and full head but most of them were full head uh, because the the washing part was sort of a screening thing mm-hmm. for what I was going to send into the salon, and then the salon we would do half head tests, and it's a lot more controlled there. But mine was just kind of a quick and dirty evaluation. But that is how you end up washing your hair fifteen hundred times in a year. And wow. uh, fortunately, we had a shower at work, so I could go there like midday, try out like ten prototypes in in an so hour. So creepy! You would actually get in the shower. I would. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we I had would a, never do that. Well, we it's had like, a fitness center. We had a fitness center. You know what Perry's doing in there? You know what Perry looks like in there? <laughs> I don't want people to think about that. No, we had individual stalls and such. So, I'm, <laughs> but I am not undressing at work. <laughs> well, I I wouldn't either. I mean, you walk around with the towel, but there were there was this one guy at work. He just, you'd walk into the, the, the dressing room and he would just be completely naked just out there. And you're like, and you're like oh, that's Bob from Regulatory. Don't worry about that guy. <laughs> I'm not going to give any names, but no, boy, it was so <laughs> you awkward. You walk in, and you're like, and, whoa. <laughs> I did not want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's allowed nowadays. Anyway, we have one more thing to talk about before we go into our beauty science questions oh yeah as you know we're really trying to um foster our our patreons this uh year grow that membership um well and really bring extra value to our patrons and we thank all of our patrons yeah yeah so we have a little giveaway coming up and it is the discovering cosmetic science book recently published by the Society of Cosmetic Scientists, which is, you know, the cosmetic chemist uh, branch in the UK. It's the parallel to the Society of Cosmetic Chemists that we have in the United States. They also wrote it in conjunction with the Royal Society of Chemistry, which is like their big deal chemistry society also in the UK. (laughs) And it's very cool uh, to see some of the people you know who've contributed to this text. And it really is um, just an interesting book. Lots of information if you're interested in what we do. It is definitely meaty with cosmetic science. And they endeavored to uh, write it also in a way consumers can understand. And so... Even as a like a beauty fanatic, you can kind of get stuff out of it, although it is a little bit heavier on chemistry than a, a basic book. But, hey, it's an excellent book and an, an excellent giveaway. <laughs> yeah, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to close this giveaway March 31st. So anyone who has joined up to contribute to the Beauty Brains on Patreon by March 31st, you will be entered in a giveaway. We will do a random number selection um, in a in a generator to find the winner. So it's not us picking; it's all done through a bot. So this oh, bot, we're gonna do it. We'll do it online live yeah. during yeah. the show. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll 
we'll pick out the winner and we will send you this book and get this anywhere in the world we're not cheap anywhere here wait anywhere in the world anywhere in the world we will mail this like book. the bahamas sure the uh europe definitely how about hong kong hong kong's pretty far away why not all right one more antarctica (laughs) (laughs) wait if if we we have have a fan in antarctica (laughs) that's pretty cool that's awesome definitely (laughs) we'll figure out how to get it there so here are the rules be uh contribute to patreon sign up for our patreon by march 31st we will randomly select a winner uh from our patrons um and we will mail you that book yeah there you go well that's a lot of fun and we got something else going on on patreon this month don't we we sure do coming up in just a couple weeks we are going to do another one of our live patreon events march 16th yeah. that's always fun that's yeah get directly get to ask questions and get them answered live on the show uh well on the patreon a- account <laughs> event but uh we we have a live chat room and uh yeah it was a lot of fun we've done it a few times and it's always a good time yeah so check out that coming up march 16th 4 30 p.m central time 2 30 p.m pacific time i don't have any other time zones in my head <laughs> that's it all right well let's answer some beauty science questions what do we have our first question comes from slay slay says i just read your book can you get hooked on lip balm and was blown away at the beauty tips in there oh nice i'm in my 30s and hardly wear makeup but skincare is definitely a priority that i am learning about which is why i am emailing in hopes i didn't make a mistake just spent over 800 plus on paula's choice skincare package any info on that brand would help I have seen YouTubers praise it and others say to not buy it since Paula is no longer with the company anymore. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Even bought an eye cream, even though your book quoted her on eye creams. Any advice or help would be appreciated. Kind regards. Well, thanks for that. And and thanks for mentioning our our former book. You know, it's still a a book. Can you get hooked on lip balm? (laughs) You know, we actually um, get asked all the time how can people get that book and perry actually has copies so if you are interested in uh, purchasing one you can just email the beauty brains 2000 or excuse me the beauty brains at gmail.com and and see what he has and he can he can yeah. take care of you there absolutely but send it in slay now as i mentioned at the top of the show if you were asking mr cosmetic chemist he would say yeah you made a mistake But you're not talking to Mr. Cosmetic Chemist. You're talking to Mrs. Cosmetic Chemist. And she says, by the way, that's me. Awesome. I really like Paula's Choice products. I think uh, they're good value. They're very forthright. Um, You know, do I have high opinions on everything that they say or put out? No, but when you just get the the bottle or the tube in front of you, um, I actually think they make great stuff for the price. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the fact that Paula's not with the company anymore, I, d- I don't know. Is that the case? Or I, I have, sorry, I haven't really kept up on it, but uh, I could see sure, that going on. But um, I don't know if that's a big deal because they have their ethos, they have their values, they're committed to putting out high quality products. 
Exactly, and it's not like if if she left the company, it's not like oh, you've got to change all your formulas now. No, that's that's not how things work. They're, the the formulas are going to be the same. Usually, when a brand gets bought or or something changes about the brand's business, um, if like a big company will buy a smaller brand, then sometimes they're going to change the formulas a bit. But if it's just a brand gets like the ownership at the top changes, usually. You know, nothing's really going to change that much. And here's what I would do when you get your products. I obviously try everything, build yourself a routine, ask yourself, you know, what products am I liking? What am I not liking? And even what steps are you liking or not liking? You know, sometimes, um, you know, you, you get these packages and it has all these steps and then you think, well, this step really isn't for me. That's totally okay. And after that, what I would do is uh, continue to use the products you love within your routine, but then I would branch out and try uh, some other brands, I think, that put out really high-quality products, or maybe you could even say, oh, maybe I won't use this moisturizer, but I'll switch to that retinol or something like that, and um, and you can go from there. But I think buying a kit like that, it, it can be pricey, but I think it helps you really discover what you're really um, interested in and what products are working for your skin type, maybe what products aren't working and what you're really committed to. And then you can kind of hone down, um, and and build a routine that you're really um, enjoying and seeing good results with. Right. And spending $800 every three years on beauty products, that's not really that much. Well, you know, (laughs) I just want to say I'm a Rouge member at Sephora in part. Yeah. Am I buying stuff for work? Sure, Wait, and I'm that... like, oh, I'll get it, and just like so get the points up. But wait, uh... a, a rouge, a rouge member is that like a like when you're on an airline and you get like the gold member or platinum member? Is that that what that is? <laughs> yeah, oh, basically, pretty much. Um, oh. Now I, I do admit a lot of the stuff is for work, but um, I, actually, I think I don't the, think eight hundred dollars re- is a lot. <laughs> no, no, actually. I don't either. I mean, is it eight hundred dollars for one month's worth of product? Oh That's no, this will last you. Like... This will last a while. This is right, probably right. a few months. Yeah, so no, I don't think and, too bad. And really, there are some derm brands where you could pay eight hundred dollars for like two ounces of a product. Oh, that's terrible. But yeah, that's terrible. Don't do I, I'm that. sure a kit like this is. I mean, it's probably more money than you needed to spend, but it's not outrageous. Well, when you're in the discovery phase, I think it's totally fine. For sure. Yeah. And anything you don't like, don't just throw it away. Uh, give it to a friend, swap with a friend. Um, there's lots of things that you, um, that you can do. Although I would stay away from those, uh, that beauty reseller market. <laughs> Remember we no. did that story? Yeah, oh, no. I wouldn't do that. But just, you know, do right. swaps. I take stuff to work sure. all the time. We have this little thing called a free tape, free pile. And it, I uh-huh. actually used to have to, a sign that said this stuff is free. And then someone took the sign and it was like, oh. no, put the sign back. <laughs> uh, but I take stuff there. People leave stuff there. And it's just oh, like the That's nice. You know, I leave products there all the time. And it's, uh, yeah, it wasn't for me. And they just uh, disappear. I do have yeah. a funny story. I'll tell it. Okay. So every year we do a dinner dance for the California chapter of the Society of Cosmetic Chemists, except for oh, 2020 yeah, and 2021. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So we get sure. these insane gift bags of product donations from different manufacturers or brands in the area. Okay. Yeah. And one year, uh, well, usually every year, there's a lubricant company that makes the donation 
People oh, well, always nice forget the adult personal care industry is part of our industry too. Sure. And um, one year I had, it had two lubricants in there. And so I had a gift bag and then Mr. Cosmetic had, chemist had a gift <laughs> bag. And so I put like four lubricants on the table, like, oh, I don't need these. And some of them were taken within an hour. Oh, and it was just like, go. who took these at work? It was kind of funny. Anyway. Oh, my, my. <laughs> you guys are so childish. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, our next question comes to us from Tansy. They ask, is there a noticeable difference between different facial oils? Do rosehip oil and barrage oil really do different things? What about olive oil and grapeseed oil or castor oil and squalane? Websites like InkyDecoder.com make a big deal about the different fatty acid, antioxidant, and micronutrient content of these oils. But does it make a difference? Does it really matter what the oleic to linoleic ratio of these oils is or how much vitamin A they contain? Oh, very interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> I would say yes. Perry would say no. Well, I wouldn't say no. I would say eh, maybe. I would say yes. <laughs> Perry would say eh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Well, you know, I mean, it it depends uh, you know, First, it depends on what do you notice. I have to I have to relay this story. When I was a formulator, there were things that I noticed as a formulator, like subtle differences. I mean, when you wash your head that many times, you kind of mm-hmm. really get to oh, notice things. Oh, you get things. very good counting bubbles. And then, yeah, and I would give uh, just general consumers, you know, two two samples where I could tell a huge difference and I'd give it to them and they can't tell a difference at all. So there is some of it is what you notice personally uh, and and that can be very hard. You know, it's like drinking red wine or something. Some people think there's red wine, there's white wine and that's all the wines. (laughs) But after you, you know, you taste a little bit, you get sort of trained at it, you can start to tell differences. Yeah, and I would say... I think there's a difference. I'm really passionate about oils. I've mentioned on the show before, like if I sold something, sold an ingredient, it would be oils. I'm really into oil chemistry. Wait, was that, was that borage oil that you love so much? Uh, It is my, it's a favorite oil. It's my least favorite. All right. right. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's very, it's not stable. Uh, But anyway, I think there is a tactile difference between a lot of these oils. And that does have to do with the fatty acid content in the oil, whether it's short chain or long chain. But more importantly... Or saturated and unsaturated. That's Correct. uh, You know, that has to do with whether it's going to be solid or liquid and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course... um, the fatty acid content and the antioxidant content that's intrinsic to the oil does play a role in shelf life. How fast is it going to go rancid and exhibit, uh, you know, chemical changes within the oil? Um, yep. You know, for example, olive oil and grapeseed oil. I think um, grapeseed oil is a much faster spreading oil. It tends to feel a little bit lighter, whereas olive oil uh, doesn't spread as easily and is a little bit more occlusive. Um, you can't really compare castor oil and squalane too much, um, you know, but castor oil is very sticky and squalane almost just feels like sebum on your forehead. It's very, uh, very light. Um, yeah. It does feel like an oil, even though it, 
it, it's really not. Um, but I think there are differences and more so I think there's differences between suppliers. So where are they sourcing their oil from and how are they extracting it? I can show you two cucumber oils and you would not believe they are from the same plant. And it depends on the extraction process and uh, how they have subsequently refined the oil or maybe they didn't, it does impart a different feel to the oil. And I think that's where you get a difference. Now, a consumer can notice a tactile difference maybe between two oils side by side, blended in a formula. Are they going to notice a difference? I don't know. And certainly there's no insight into supply chain um, for sure. Um, but I have an oil on my website. It's called Zemenia Seed Oil. It's it's a very expensive oil. It comes from a, a sour plum fruit in Africa, and the seed is basically trash. And so it's upcycled. They collect oil from it. And when you touch this oil, it's just so incredible. Um, it's lubricious. It has a silicone-like feel, but it's a natural plant oil. And that's because it has these really super long um, fatty acid chains um, in it. And it just feels like an oil you've never felt that you would be able to really feel a difference for. Valerie, that website that you just mentioned, that what, what was oh, that again? Simply-ingredients.com. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to plug myself, but I love oils. <laughs> yeah. And I'm launching a new oil in two months in April um, that Mr. Cosmetic Chemist like threatened to murder me if I kept talking about it. <laughs> um, so he's letting me sell it. At first, he was like, you can't sell any more ingredients. And then I was like, and so finally he skipped it in, but uh, nice. oils are just so cool. And it really is important to understand, um, you know, how, how they came to you. Are they cold press, solvent extracted, refined, not refined. Um, and, and you can reach out to the brand and ask them these things. I'm sure if they are cold pressed, they'll love to talk about it. Um, but I encourage you, you know, even at Sephora or Ulta, you know, when testers are able to come back out to just touch oils yourself um, in your hand, these blends, even though they're blends, touch them and see if you can feel the difference. Look for the first oil on there. Um, you know, put a drop on your hand, see how fast it spreads across your hand. If it spreads really fast, it's probably a lightweight, fast spreading oil blend. Or, you know, if it kind of uh, sticks up like a little bubble and has really good surface tension, uh, probably could be a little more occlusive and you may get some more longevity out of it. So um, definitely, I think there's a difference. Of course, um, you know, the extraction technique plays a huge role, but even just practice yourself uh, and look and see if you can feel any differences. It's definitely an ingredient where uh, given practice, you can start to see differences. But I think the the biggest obstacle is in the context of a formula, especially if there's things like dimethicone in there and yeah. mineral oil, that's going to start to wipe away anything Or it's you not actually a neat oil. Yeah. You know, right. if it's a conditioner or a cleanser, you'll be very yeah. hard pressed to feel a difference. Yeah. So if you are going to go looking for this, uh, these types of products, you know, you want to look for something which has a minimal number of oils, so the oil that you're looking at is really standing out yep. rather than getting wiped out by anything else that's in the formula. And if anyone wants to chat oils, hit me up. I will talk all day <laughs> about them. I warned you. Or do you get a? You've got a new clubhouse. It's called Oil Talk. <laughs> I should. I actually, I am a clubhouse member. I got an early invite. I, oh I'm my like, god! I, I didn't go even get an invite. I'll give you an invite. I, 
Oh yeah, send me one. Uh, but Maybe Clubhouse I'll give like... my second invite away to a Patreon member. I don't know. Oh, nice. You only get but two. Yeah. Clubhouse is like uh, a CB radio, isn't it? Like <laughs> you just <laughs> breaker one nine. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm dating of. myself, aren't I? I, I, I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should yeah. move on to the next question. <laughs> Which is an audio question. Here we go. Let's play this one from Stacy. Hi, Beauty Brains. I am a newer listener, and I've been learning a lot. I have questions regarding the chlorine found in pools. I love to swim, and I'd love to take care of my hair better, prevent damage. And I'm wondering if I should buy the shampoos specifically made for swimmers or if there's anything I should do prior to entering the pool to help protect my hair. It is curly and it gets frizzy. I haven't worked on one in my modern time, but we do retail uh, a shampoo at the company I work for by day. And uh, I think it's kind of important, um, well, I guess twofold. One, if the shampoo really works it's important to use it. Two, if you really need to use it, you should use it. So I, I guess uh, it's really twofold. Well, uh, yeah, that's the, the the first important thing to note is that just because something says for swimmers or, you know, for chlorine, it doesn't mean it's any, it has anything special in it necessarily. Now, some do, some, but some it's just a marketing story. You know, I always laugh when they say, by the way, that these are for uh, people who are exposed to chlorine, (laughs) because I always laugh. Like, if you are exposed to chlorine in a swimming pool, the hair is the least of your problems. You are (laughs) going to be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a shorthand, I guess, right? But yes, (laughs) that could be trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So basically, here's the deal. The issue with swimming pools or hot tubs or any uh, public bath type thing. Um, Lots of different people are going into it and it's, you know, water is getting cycled, but it, you know, it needs to be, um, it it needs some sort of disinfectant in it. And that is because, you know, you have lots of different people's bacteria going in it and all that kind of stuff. So they put typically these different um, algicides and antibacs in there that help prevent microbial growth of many different forms from growing. And some of them, not all of them, are these copper complexes. And those can um, dissociate and then the copper goes into your hair. And that's why if you are a light blonde, you might over time get this uh, green patina to your hair. That is copper in your hair. It's not actually um, chlorine. So I think anything that you can use to chelate the copper out of your hair, which is what the shampoo should be doing, not yeah. these specific shampoos. They'll typically have a, a, a EDTA in it or a phytic acid or something like that, which is a chelating agent, which should uh, remove some of that those uh, metals from your hair. Yeah. Or um, if you likewise have copper pipes in your home or well water or... Um, you know, anything kind of grungy like that, you should benefit from using this as well on your hair because it's not just affinitive to um, copper. Some of them are more affinitive uh, for certain metals over others, but you will benefit from that. You know, I did do some work in this area, not specifically on a shampoo, but on a treatment. When I was on the VO5 line, we were looking at whether... VO5 hot oil treatment could um, be good for 
preventing uh, any kind of damage you get from chlorine from a chlorinated pool. And it turned out that if you if you and you know we had to make this fifty five gallon drum full of pool water to do all these tests with dresses. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. But uh, what we did find is that like indeed, if you treated your hair first with uh, VO five hot oil treatment and then shampooed, it, it would protect your hair. It would give you some protection against the chlorine damage that you're going to get. And from that, is that because it's just helping um, migration of these ions into the hair, like it's forming some protective barrier? I, I think that's it. Yeah, it, it's essentially forming a conditioning layer on your on your hair fiber, which is going to prevent, uh, you know, the ions from getting into your uh, hair fiber. So that yeah. that was the, the the idea there. So, but that's yeah. not is what happening um, here with with Stacy's question. She's saying, right. should I use this stuff before I get into the pool? And really, what these products, if they work as advertised, they're designed for post chlorine treatment, right? Yes, exactly. But this hot oil treatment would be, you put that on before you go into the pool. So, you know, you could try it out. I don't know if they've changed up the formula <laughs> since I worked on it. Yeah. <laughs> and admittedly, the results were, you know, they were claims results. So I'm not sure you'll notice it, but we did, we were able to show in the lab there was some effect. Yeah. So bottom line, anything made specifically for swimmer's hair, look at the application directions. It's probably post-pool application or even when you're at home, if you have, uh, again, copper, hopefully you don't have lead pipes, but if you have copper pipes or, (laughs) yeah, you've got different problems. Um, Or if you have well water, again, this should be integrated into your routine after water exposure. Uh, But you could try VO5 or another conditioner beforehand and see if that helps. Yeah, indeed. Our next question comes to us from Glow on Instagram. All these people with cool names, Slay, Glow. (laughs) Sure. They sent us a post from another account on Instagram, and it was a very interesting question. This post posed the question, when is the best age to start using anti-aging products? And there's no real clear-cut answer, but um, I would be interested to hear what you have to say, Perry. Uh, Well, it depends on the product, but I would say as soon as you can start wearing sunscreen, you should do that, and that's your first anti-aging thing. Yeah, the best thing for anti-aging is prevention, right? Right, right. Absolutely. And when, you know, I remember when I was a youth, when I was, you know, eight or nine years old, we used to go to the the pool in the summer and try to get as red as we could get. (laughs) I don't know why. Oh my gosh. It was the 70s, you know. Most people get try to get as tan as they can get. And here you are saying, how burned can I get? No, we were trying to get tan, of course, but it was... (laughs) I, we were just getting red. <laughs> just, but that was back when they, you know, that was back in the late seventies where it, sun sun blocking was not really even seen as that important. Certainly not as important it is today. Uh, but that's the, you know, if you're, you know, you're a teenager, certainly wear sunscreen. And actually, you should be wearing sunscreen even when you're a little kid. Uh, but as far as uh, you know, other anti aging stuff, you know, don't. First, don't smoke either. If you're going to smoke, you might as well not even bother with anti-aging products because that's going to age your skin just as much almost as the sun exposure. Yeah, I think it depends what you're going to do. Um, I mean, if you're going to get into the acids and retinols and retinoids and skin turnover, I would be 
a little careful um, to get too heavy into it. Consult a dermatologist um, because yeah. unless you like really need that, um, you know, I don't know if it's unnecessarily aggressive on your skin. I would definitely consult a dermatologist for that. And then I think, um, you know, when you start to see, and again, it's all what you're comfortable with. When you start to see these permanent wrinkles in your forehead or permanent, um, you know, fine lines starting to show the, up. The eleven, you mean? Like in my eleven? <laughs> the, the yeah, 11. I have I have a uh, a one. I don't really have an eleven, but um, and I didn't have a line either. But we have this like um, like a UV film um, on the windows of our lab to prevent sure. heat because it's like we work in a desert; it's super hot, and um. A couple years ago, I started to notice I could see the 11s when oh, I was yeah. approaching the, you know, I'm like, hey, that wasn't there before. And <laughs> I, I'm going to be um, straightforward. I started getting Botox last year. It was like the best thing I ever did for myself, not from a, a vanity point of view. Um, Of course, it's nice not to have those wrinkles there. Um, but it actually helped manage some of my headaches. Um, oh, nice. and re- it relaxes some of the muscles on my face, uh, which is pretty neat. Um, you know, but for me, um, from an anti-aging perspective, knowing that I do furrow my brows a lot or try to, um, historically that is going to cause wrinkles. People who like, you know, lift their um, forehead up a lot, they'll start to have lines like across their forehead and if that yeah, bothers like you, mine, right? <laughs> yeah, a cream is probably what? not going to do a whole lot, to be honest. But, you know, no. at that point, you know, consult a dermatologist or a doctor about, um, you know, more enhanced things like injectables and stuff like that. If that's what you're interested in, you don't have to do it. Um, but just in terms of bang for your buck, um, it might be the best yeah. investment. But you'll know. The thing about anti-aging is you'll know. You'll be like, oh, hey, my skin feels a little looser or a little rougher or doesn't look like it used to. And you'll just know it's time. But the best thing and, is Perisad's prevention. And when you pull on your face, it doesn't snap back the way it used to. It just sort of like putty. Don't pull on your face. No one should ever <laughs> oh. be pulling. Mr. Cosmetic Chemist does that. And I'm like, why are you pulling your cheek skin out like that? <laughs> it's not going to snap back as you get older. And I'm older than him, so he has a couple years oh. uh, to realize it's not going to snap back. So, anyway. Uh, indeed, yeah. All, All right. right, looks like we get that for one more. Yeah. Marjorie asks, can I use cleansing oil to wash my hands? This cleansing oil does a terrible job of removing my makeup. It leaves a film. However, it feels good on my hands. Uh, here's the ingredient list, and then she goes through and lists. It's what? Sunflower seed oil, castor oil, polyamin 8, polysorbate 20, uh, then blah, blah, blah. Glycerin and then preservative. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Extract, preservative, yeah. Yeah, so we've actually talked about uh, cleansing balms, at least, maybe not cleansing oils. Um, on, on the past few episodes in the show, because people are like, do I need them? Do I need to do this double cleansing stuff? And we went through a little bit of the chemistry. If you did not catch those episodes, what uh, cleansing oils or balms do is they are mostly oil-based. And you put them on your face and uh, they have a tiny bit of water-soluble items in them. And those together will help emulsify any makeup or dirt off your face. And then you will uh, wash it off with a bunch of water and then you can cleanse your face with um, an ordinary cleanser. Um, This one is interesting because uh, obviously it's a liquid. Um, Yeah. It's called a cleansing oil, not a balm. 
uh, but more so there's only liquid-based items in here, like uh, you know the oils, polysorbate 20 is a, a sticky liquid, some extracts, tocopherol acetate, which is vitamin E, and then they have phenoxyethanol as a preservative. So it's definitely um, a liquid base. I think the film part is coming from that polyamide 8. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That polymer there? Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting about this is polysorbate 20 um, would be, to me, very weak in being rinsable um, from yeah. your face with all of these oils in here. Uh, you typically would want, you know, a higher number than 20 uh, polysorbate right, 20 right. or something that's a little more. Um, a bit of an emulsifier versus just a solubilizer. Um, so that's probably also why you're getting this film left on your face on top of the polyamidate is it's just not very rinsable um, from the skin on top of that polyamidate, which is a film former. So I yeah, guess that's why you don't like, like something... it for your makeup. <laughs> yeah, it almost looks like something you put on and then you have to wipe it off with a cloth, right? Yeah, that'd be it interesting. Doesn't look like... It's nothing I see in there that's going to like... Help really it emulsify it off it the yeah. skin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, now, can you use it to wash your hands? Um, sure. I mean, if you like the feel, you say you like the feel, why not? I don't know if it will um, wash your hands in the sense that, like, you've cleaned, um, you know, a lot of grime off your skin, much like if you're not right. seeing it's cleansing your makeup. Um, but it might be nice if you just want something to help uh, moisturize your hands a little bit or even maybe this is the second step in a hand washing where it's kind of like yeah. a little bit of a free moisturizer on your hands that's that's more like what it is yeah so so if you want to use this to wash your hands first wash your hands and then put this on <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not going to be a great hand wash for sure um, especially for hands are dirty or you want to remove germs from your skin you know, I once spent a summer in my youth uh, working at a car parts place, and they had this big green goopy stuff that you, you'd, mm-hmm. you'd clean your hands with it first. Um, I don't even know what it was. some sort of product by Turtle Wax or something like that, but it was just this green goop, and that would get the grease off, and then you could wash your hands, and it was good for that. <laughs> That's kind of, this, this kind of product kind of reminds me of that. You could put the oil on first. And maybe it'll remove some of the really hard greases, and then you could wash your hands. Look at that. The beauty brain's starting a double cleansing trend for your hands. <laughs> and Marjorie's going to take the charge and lead it for us. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> all right. That's all the time we have, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, if you get a chance, could you head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review? Last episode, we uh, actually read a couple of those reviews, and, you know, it's always nice to hear from the fans and the not-so-fans. Um, but anyway, your review over there will ensure uh, that we have a full docket of questions because it'll help other people find the show, which is what's most important there. Speaking of questions, if you have a question, we love to answer these audio questions and get other voices on the show. You can tell your mom you're a star. Super easy to do. Just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at thebeautybrains2018. On Twitter, we're at thebeautybrains. And we have a Facebook page. And if you want to follow us on Patreon and get in that uh, big contest we have coming up and get to see our Patreon event on, what is that, March 16th we're going to do a Patreon event? March 16th, Tuesday, yep. 
go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe. And at any level, you're going to get put in the contest and you're also going to get to see the live event. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everybody. Kittens. <laughs>